0: Good morning, testing one, testing two, we're good? It's a pleasure to be here with you all this morning. Um, as you can see, I, I don't have a Bible, okay? Um, but if you were listening carefully, you heard the sermon this morning, the three points that came out of there that from Brother Ben. So um, instead of hearing maybe about the, uh, the word of the Lord through that brief sermon, I'm going to talk to you a little bit this morning about the work of the Lord. And, uh, and I, I can't promise you will be as short as his sermon But um, I'm looking forward to the opportunity to boast in the Lord um, about the things that He's doing in our lives uh, and around our lives in different parts of the world. And this morning, uh, we're going to take a bit of a journey and learn about what God's doing primarily in the country of Cuba, um, a neighbor to you all. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, I was talking to Brother Nick on the phone uh, about this morning, and I don't know if it was our conversation or maybe the fibs, the lies that maybe Ben had, talked to him about who we were, but for some reason he said, brother, I'm going to trust you, you're welcome in this pulpit, and as the Lord lays things on your heart, you just share from that. So that's what we're going from, but let's just have a word of prayer to make sure we're covered, okay? So let's pray. Lord, we're here this morning in your house as your children, yes, with uh, great needs, that you um, so kindly meet us with with your love and your grace and your peace and, but not just needs, Lord. We come with um, thankfulness and gratefulness in our hearts too. Yes, for what you did all those years acro- uh, years ago on the cross, but even more so um, how that cross and the work of that cross touches our lives today, and um, just meets us where we're at today, with the wisdom we need, with the love and the grace that we need, with the joy that we get in your spirit too, and. And you've taken care of not only today, but you've taken care of tomorrow too, Lord. And so you are pretty much wrapped it up in a big gift with Jesus right there in the middle of it. And so we're thankful, Lord. And I pray, Father, that as we just uh, share this time this morning, I pray, Father, that um, we would just um, see a little bit more of uh, your vision, feel a little bit more of your heart for this lost and needy world, Lord, and uh, make ourselves available as your servants, as your sons and daughters, Lord, to to go and to be involved, Lord, with sharing this great hope and this great joy that we individually possess and collectively possess as a church, Lord, and help us to shine for you, Lord, help us to be the light you've called us to be, help us to be the salt that caused the thirst for others to find you and find their joy in you too, Lord. So we just pray and give this time to you, Lord, asking for you to bless it, and uh, trust, Father, as we leave today, we'll say that it has been good to be in the house of the Lord. So we ask these things in the mighty and the precious name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. So we are talking about the subjects of missions this morning. And maybe when you think generally of the subjects of missions, you're thinking right here local in town. It might be something like a uh, food uh, place for people to go who have needs like that way. It may be a clothing store for people on the homeless who don't have uh, the basics of life. Um, It may be uh, an orphanage-type ministry. There's all sorts of things that go on locally, right, Um, when it comes to missions. But you also may be thinking, and some of you I know who have family that actually decided to follow that leading, that sense of the Lord, to leave what they've known as home and go to another place, either another place in the States or another place outside of the States, to follow Him and to share that good news with other people, maybe another language or another culture near or far. My story as coming to know Christ started at the age of twelve, about forty years ago. And thankfully there was an American missionary family who probably sat in pews like you guys are sitting in pews now, who followed that sense, that leading of the Lord to say, I will go to you to the ends of the earth and I'm going to plant churches and I'm going to share this good news. So this family called the Mayo family came to New Zealand. I was twelve years of age and thankfully They lived just up the road from where I lived. There was one Saturday morning where as good Kiwi boys, us New Zealanders are called Kiwis, um, we were outside helping our parents just clean up the yard. And the missionary's wife and daughter were coming back from an errand they were doing, and they saw these little boys and they thought, these are great candidates for our Bible club that they were starting to get this church thing going. And so they came up to my parents who were out there working And normally, parents would kind of make the decisions for the little kids, right? I was the oldest of two others. I was only 12. But instead of my mother and my father saying, and this was a life-transforming moment for me, instead of them saying, no, no, thank you, because they didn't know these people, didn't trust these people, these people were foreigners, instead of saying no and making a decision for us, they said, boys, would you like to go to this Bible club? We said, why not? It's new. We'll give it a go. And so we went to that Bible club, and within the space of weeks of hearing the good news, God pricked my heart, made me realize I was a sinner, and I went with the missionary's wife after our little club and had a time of prayer, and it stuck, and it stuck today, right? God worked in my life. An interesting thing, only months later, another American family also had an interest in ministering in New Zealand. The Malone family, and they came out to work with the Mayos, the Mayos and the Malones. Here they are in my community, starting a new church work. It's actually these older folk here. They weren't so old back then. That was the end of the 70s that they arrived. And so the first day they arrived in the country, I was one of those families that welcomed them to be a part of our work. And what a blessing they were in my life. If you speak to them as a young teenager, they probably say it was a bit of a nuisance. But for me, they were a great blessing, Right? In fact, in my teenage years, I had huge trouble, all sorts of things with alcohol and abuse, other things my parents did, and it affected me as well directly with divorce and separation and so forth. And so the families like this missionary family and others, and my whole church body as well, that was a really amazing um, thing in my life, right? It was the strength. It was the anchor of my life during those teenage years. Interesting thing is that Malone family ended up becoming my family because at the age of 21, I, I married their eldest daughter. Kathy. And so here we were, actually sensed at a young age as a teenager to get involved with ministry. Went to Bible college, became a youth pastor, involved in ministry in New Zealand. Everything was going great, guns. It was good. And then the Lord upset the apple cart, you know? And He said, Listen, now it's your turn. Leave everything behind. Leave your place, leave your people, leave your church, and follow me. It's your turn to follow the missions to go to the end of the world. Well, of course I said no. <laughs> that's the way it normally starts, by the way. But the Lord is persistent, and the Lord is good when He has his plans and his purposes in our lives, right? He doesn't give up on us because he knows what's best for us, and that's his will. And so after about six months of going backwards and forwards with the Lord, we ended up saying yes, and our church and home pastor that was a New Zealand guy at that time, he got right behind it, and we've been in missions for now 25 years overseas. Let me just pause and say this, folks. You're here today, and you're here today for a purpose. God is always about missions. He's always about speaking to us, moving in our hearts to get involved in his work. It may be in your town. It may be at your school. It may be across the street. It may be even in your own house where your other brothers and sisters or parents aren't saved, right? Which was my case as a youngster. God's calling all the time. He may be saying to some of you, believe it or not, he may be saying, yes, you, I want to call you and pull you away from your home and give you another home and another family and another place to serve me because my place is this world. My kingdom is this world. So I want to leave that with you before we go on any further today, right? Is that God is always calling. He's saying, get involved. Don't just come to church, be my church, right? And live this life and this gospel that we sang about so boldly this morning, so that not just thousands and thousands that we sang around will be around his throne, but millions and millions. Yes, millions and millions. I've been in meetings, there's been thousands and thousands. That's just one location, people. It's bigger than that. And we need to get involved with that, right? So that's what we're gonna talk about today. But listen, he is calling. He is calling this morning. The point is, are we listening? Are we listening? Or is it just my will be done rather than thy will be done? So we were in Nicaragua for 19 years, but I'm not going to talk about that. I'm going to need more time to talk about 19 years of life in about 25 minutes. So we're going to skip Nicaragua. If you want to know about that, you can find our website, blog, and it's still got stuff on that. We left Nicaragua about two years ago. And, um, but part of uh, that, that last period of time, the last six years, have been primarily based in the Caribbean, based in the Bahamas, and mainly um, in the last six years in Cuba, going in and out, working there. So we're going to be talking about that this morning, Um, and I'm going to, yeah, get you to, sorry, I've got to communicate with Brad up here, he's my lifeline, uh, about going to the next slide, if you will. So we're going to be talking about um, the country of Cuba this morning, and um, I want us to Um, first of all, get to know a little bit about the place and the people and what's going on there. Because until we start to understand more of who they are and what they go through, it's really hard to care about people if you don't know about people. So we're going to start with that little bit first. If you go to the next slide here, um, actually the next one now. One thing that we've found in our time over the last six years in and out of Cuba is that they are an ingenious people. Ingenious partly because they lack a lot of resources whether it's the finances or even just the ability to go down to the store and buy a product that they need. And so they have to become very creative. And this need, something very practical, right? You need transport to get your young children either to school or to other places. And so how are we going to do that? We'll find the wood and we'll construct a seat for us to get our kids around. The next photo. Security. Even in Cuba the little things that you have, you try to protect. In this case, you see the old vintage car over there. The locks don't work anymore. It's an old thing, right? But um, we figure out another way for security, so we put a hole in it, put a padlock on it, it's good to go. The next photo, I'm going to leave to your own imagination. Does anyone know the little thing that's sitting? You know what that is? Yeah, it's a coffee maker, right? Yeah. So, of course, in this case, they don't have the oven. Maybe they had one, but now it doesn't work. And so what are we going to do to get our daily fix of coffee, which any of us will do anything for our daily fix of coffee? Well, we'll use the iron. The iron will heat it up. It's like a stove. Flip it over. We don't want to burn the house down, so we put the shoes there to keep it supported. But, again, they're ingenious when they come to get things done. They really are. It's inspiring. I'll use another word. Next one. This one here, a vehicle. Maybe can't Maybe use your imagination. Look at those people in mechanics. I saw this going down the street, and I kind of just wrecked my neck, going, what? What did I just see? So here is a situation where the fuel line has a problem, and so basically we have a soda bottle filled with fuel going straight in, bypassing the other system to get from A to B. It works. It does work. Uh, the next photo. They're not just an ingenious people. I think more and more what we're seeing, too, is they're a struggling people, all right? They are struggling people alright they are struggling people um, can I raise a raise of hands? Of, um, maybe I shouldn't do this, but I will. Anyone here who earns $20 an hour or more? Anyone who could, wouldn't mind throwing your hand up there? Those who do probably think, I'm not going to put my hand up, but you know who you are. All right? Hey, listen, if we're doing $10 an hour, that's not too bad either. The average income for a Cuban who works, and probably what? The high 97, 8% of the population work for a government job there. Um, that's the way it works. There's not a lot of private enterprise still, And so most people who have a job are earning $20, not an hour, a month. A month is what an average income for a Cuban is, $20 a month. How do you get by on that, people? How do you get by on that? Um, There are people that we know who are lifetime nurses who are earning $25 a month. Doctors have, uh, generally there's a different reason, I'm going to get into it, But they can earn anywhere from $65 to $75 a month. We spend that on a meal sometimes as a family, don't we? And this is what they have to get by on in a month. The next photo. And it's not just the fact of maybe a real low income. With the little that you have and manage to work very hard to, to attain, is that when you go and you shop, you're not going to one store or to two stores. You kind of have to scour the whole town to get this, that, and a few things that you need. This photo is common. It's becoming more common. One thing that's sad for us as we go there is that we see lines and lines of people in different places that have been there hours, right? Normally the only thing you see here on Black Friday if you're going to get a big TV or something like that. Um, But here they are, lines and lines for hours, probably for something as simple as um, basics. Uh, Sometimes chicken that shows up in town every now and again. Sometimes it's something as crazy as toilet paper, people. Sometimes, just simple, everyday-needed products, people have to line up for a long time and fight, fight over. It's, it's discouraging. Next photo. Now, you see those little blue books that are up there? That's called a libreta, a little book. basically the word in Spanish, right? And basically, the government has had a system. It's not as good as it used to be. Um, but basically, they provide each person or family a certain amount of basic products that help them get by could be everything from beans to sugar to coffee to oil, that type of thing, rice, for instance. So just the very core basic items the government provides at a subsidized price, a lot cheaper. But basically, according to what they can have, maybe as a family, you could scratch by one week out of one month. And then again, it comes down to hard work, sacrifice, or doing simply without So this is the struggle that the people have to go through. The Next one. But I want to be able to also um, tell you a little bit about uh, not just the reality of what's going on in Cuba um, when it comes to daily life. I want to talk to you this morning, the rest of the time I have, about what God is up to there in Cuba. As I do that, I want to lay a little bit of um, groundwork. Um, and, And the first thing is, and we'll go to the next slide if we can. The first thing is kind of like um, maybe, maybe the attitude that we have as outsiders that go in there and work alongside your brothers and sisters in Christ that work alongside pastors and leaders of churches. And our goal, our aim is to work with leaders of different churches to help them to be, better be able to love, serve, and connect with their communities. Particularly, we would label them the least, the last, and the lost maybe the last people that would enter into this church in your community or in their church in places where they live, right? Kind of, I would say in some ways, very much similar to the ministry of Jesus Christ, who went to people and were with people that most of the religious people had a hard time accepting and, um, and receiving, right? So those more of the down, out, and harder places that aren't really coming to churches, our main focus, although it's not exclusive, is really focused on reaching those that are hard to get to, or that will have a hard time coming in to being a part of our churches. The next thing, we have a theme verse. Most of you are probably familiar with the the Great Commission. It's Matthew what? 28? Yeah, 19 and 20, right? You're familiar with that one. Go ye into all the world, etc. But this one is another commission. All of the Gospels have a commission. And this is John 20, 21. And this one that's kind of like pretty much the heartbeat and And focus of our lives no matter what soil we are standing on. Because as the Father has sent me, even so now am I sending you. The key word for me in that whole phrase is the first word, as. In the same way that the Father has sent me, now I am sending you. What does that mean to me? Play it down and put it into life, right? Um, The first thing I would say is the model of Christ. What he modeled for us and what we have in the word But I would not say just in past sense what he modeled for us back then, but living inside us. What does he model now? It's the same thing then is the same thing now. What he models is humility. What he models is service. What he models is love. And that's what we have to try daily, where we're at, at, what we're doing, whether it's in our house, at the marketplace, or ministering behind some pulpit, right? Right? We're to follow and let him live out his life in us. And the model is service, humility, and love. The method is also important. The method of Jesus, which needs to be replicated in all of our lives now, is not to sit and wait for others to come to us. Maybe in a synagogue, maybe in a church. Just wait. They will come. They will not come many times. In Jesus' approach, his method of ministry was to go. Go was to go into the highways and the hedges, was to go into the houses of sinners, to sit at their table, to even be called a friend of sinners. And so now we go, yes, with a method that goes where they are, to ask questions, not give answers, to ask questions, to listen, to earn the right to be hurt, right? To become friends, to care, and then to see how we can impact their lives. This is what we're about. You have... Um, Not only that, but you also have Jesus' message, right? His message was one not of people condemnation. It was not one of superiority, even though he was more superior than anyone or anything. It was one, again, of forgiveness. It was one of hope. It was one of acceptance. It was one of welcome. It was one also of transformation and redemption. This is what we are about, and this is but the base and the heart of what we try to do with all our teachings— with the other leaders that we're connected to in Cuba, as we did in uh, Nicaragua and also now in, um, in the Bahamas. The next one. So this is the photo of the first graduation class that we had there in um, 2015. Um, what you're going to see there, if you look closely, is primarily a younger age um, group of people, right? The reality of the Cuban church over the last, shall we say, 10 years is that, um, one, there is a huge need of leaders and pastors in churches because the churches have totally just exploded in growth. Tens of thousands, we're talking in those type of numbers, of house churches. Since the mid-90s after what was known as the special period, which was nothing special other than tough, tough, tough life for them after um, the Soviet Union fell, which then dominoed effect on Cuba, um, life was disastrous. The whole image and ideology of communism also faltered greatly. Right? Gorbachev fell, everything fell, um, and it was in a hard place. If not just for ideology, just for everyday life, it was impossible for people. And so they ended up coming to the churches in droves. And with that, the Cuban government, Fidel Castro at the time, said, maybe Christians aren't our enemies after all. Maybe we need to give them some freedoms. Not to build, because there weren't many resources, but you can meet in houses. And since that time, the churches have boomed. But with that is a need for leaders who are prepared, who are able to help the congregations grow and serve the Lord together, right? Just as you guys have those needs here. The difficult thing is that probably over the last 10 years, many of those more experienced and older believers have actually left Cuba. They've left Cuba for different reasons, and certainly as an outsider, I'm not one to pass any judgment for whatever reason, but many of them have left. We've seen that, that exodus, great exodus of church leaders that have gone, and so now you don't only have the size of the church, but you have the exodus of many of their church leaders, seminary leaders, et cetera. and now you have this younger generation that's been called upon to stand up, to fill that gap, and to help the church stand and continue to move forward. So that's what we're about there with Mission for Restoration. The next photo. It's all about multiplication in our books. As foreigners, we can do so much. As locals who understand the context and the need, the culture, the people, they're the ones who can really make the big impact, right, the big ripple effect in their country. So we have passed our training on to them with the intention that they will then take it and pass it on to other leaders Throughout um, their country. I'm going to show you a video in just a moment, all right? It's about um, our, one of our last visits that were there in 2018, at the end of 2017 and 18, And basically, again, it shows a little bit about the context, the passion of the Cuban people, and their vision to pass on um, the Word of God to the people, and the involvement that our lives and others of our ministry have had involved with. So um, pay attention. Obviously, we want to give respect to the Cuban voice, and so there will be some Spanish there with subtitles. So, hang on there. We're going to dim the lights to make the make it a little bit easier on the on the um, the words there. Okay. So, enjoy for this. In my
1: heart, I feel a, a De llevar al pueblo de Dios a entender realmente lo, los principios del cristianismo, que entiendan realmente el valor de la muerte de Cristo por nosotros. Y este anhelo nace de de la visión que, que observo en el pueblo de Dios que que muchas veces no viven a, a la altura de lo que Cristo eh, ganó por ellos en la cruz del Calvario. Y, y mi deseo también es, es trabajar con los con los pastores, con los líderes, para que primero vivan el Evangelio y transmitan los, los valores
2: puros, sin contaminación, del Evangelio. We as a mission at CMA are really excited about God allowing us to minister here in Cuba. In 2013 we had no idea what God would do uh, through CMA on this island and through Carl and Kathy's investment in the lives of these leaders. We've just experienced the second graduation, and it was an incredible time of seeing God's goodness as the investments in the lives of these men and women um, are beginning to bear fruit, as they're beginning to multiply and take the training to other people. The multiplication of leaders is really at the heart of the vision of CMA. Fifteen years ago, when God birthed this ministry, He put in our hearts to equip leaders to equip their own people in the Word of God to multiply, to grow. (inaudible) Una de las cosas que más me impactó del
1: curso fue la frase La gracia es como el agua Corre arriba abajo y se asienta en los lugares más bajos. Comprender también que necesitamos compartir la fe con aquellos que no conocen a Cristo y no solamente con aquellos que no conocen a Cristo sino con aquellos que son socialmente más marginados que otros. Es por ello que también reconocer nuestro contexto, nuestra ciudad, cuál es nuestra Babilonia, ha sido una ayuda tremenda para poder hacer este trabajo y también ayudar a aquellas personas que caminan en la fe junto a nosotros a que puedan comprender esto también. We are full of uh, teenagers and young people that are in our church, What well, we try to, to teach them. Is uh, trying to be sincere in their lives, in their relationship with God, because many, so many times there are no relationship because they're very religious. Even us, we think we thought that it was a, a hard task. So many of them start to talking with us and start to open their hearts in a, a way we never expect. Uh, And and they start start to to see that that the gospel is something for real, it's something for
3: for living day by day. We were here to participate in uh, the second graduation of Mission for Restoration here in Cuba. And uh, it was was exciting to be here in this time of celebration with them. They had committed like two years of study and uh, learning. But maybe something was uh, even more special for us is how that it's created this community of these leaders. They're like a family now. And this is um, really good news because uh, they're not only graduates who have received some training, uh, but now they're a family with a common vision and with a, a common task of taking the training to other leaders throughout the country. And so at this graduation, it was a little bit different. Uh, instead of uh, just being about receiving certificates and honoring the Lord and giving testimony about what he done in people's lives. Uh, they spent an hour and a half planning about how they're going to take what they have learned and how they're going to send it out to the different regions of Cuba. So uh, we're excited about the fact that uh, God is taking what we've uh, been able to give to them and is multiplying this throughout this country. It's exciting.
1: Pero en 2014 tuvimos la oportunidad de ser entrenado en misión restauradora. Y a pesar de que cuando íbamos a los cursos fue muy agotador, porque teníamos cargas acá y, no, y había que viajar, Dios nos permitió ver el valor de las enseñanzas que, que transmitían los cursos. Y en verdad vimos que, que eso iba a ser bueno para desarrollar líderes dentro de los pilotos y eh, con Ciel y y nosotros dialogamos y y después con los demás miembros de de la directiva y decidimos hacer una programación e implementar no solo nos ha ayudado para implementarlo que vamos a hablar un poquito más adelante de eso pero eh, a nosotros mismos nos ha cambiado nuestra manera de administrar y estamos viendo el ministerio más natural más espontáneo y más entre la gente, más encarnacional, y con mucho deseo de insertarnos en la comunidad. Como por ejemplo, que ya el ministerio que queremos desarrollar es relaciones, enfocadas en las personas, no en programas. Usamos programas como medio, pero las personas a prioridad. Y también se nos ha quedado la necesidad de encarnar y de entrar en las realidades de las personas, no alarmarnos.
2: One of the things that we have seen here in the last three and a half years of ministering in Cuba is that the country is changing, the church is changing. We've been able to invest in the leaders of four or five different provinces, but we believe this is only the beginning because many of those leaders are now taking that training to other provinces throughout Cuba, from the east all the way to the west. It's amazing what God is doing through His church on this island.
3: Brad, if you can switch back over to our other thing. Well, hopefully that was not just insightful to you guys to understand a bit of the context there of what God's up to in, in Cuba, and but also
0: um, motivational, right? Maybe you haven't thought about Cuba in that light before, um, but God is totally active, and you have a ton of brothers and sisters there that are worshiping the same Lord this morning as we're worshiping Him uh, here in this place.
2: so exciting. So many of
0: them are so young. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, so yeah, there's an, there's that graduation class there, and again for us, um, what's the great joy is that uh, we have passed it on to them, and of course we can't actually live in Cuba. Um, you have to either you know be a, a government person, a business person with a special type of visa, or um, married to a, a Cuban. And I'm already married happily, so that doesn't work. <laughs> but um, I have been for 31 years. So. Uh, But here's the key thing, right, again, um, the Cubans are people that don't just take things, soak things, and uh, sit on things. Cubans will take something, and it happens to be good. They will multiply it. They will stretch it. They will squeeze it, and they will get it out as much as possible. And so I look at that, and I see we've only been able to visit probably and work in maybe three major cities in Cuba. But I know through them now, we're probably reaching more like eight or nine that they've gone out in different parts of the country. And that's a powerful and a wonderful thing, to be able to be a part of God's kingdom work, empowering others, training others who can go out and train other faithful people too. The next photo, if you will. These are The thing with our time there, of course, as you would, as you would go there too and, and do the same thing, is that over time, you build friendships that go beyond the classroom walls. Um, and just believe in people and what they're about, the sacrifice that they make, the commitment that they have, the power of the Lord in their lives, through their lives, in their context that they have. And you kind of, as an outsider and as a mission says, how can we get behind that? Not just in prayer, not just with visits or not with more training, or sometimes it happens to be now through, through internet. Maybe it's counseling or praying with or encouragement that we give to them. But we also stand with them financially what was the average income of a person who has a job in Cuba? 20, right? It's less than that often for a Cuban pastor. Sometimes it's more like 15 a month. And so as a mission, we like to stand behind them. We try to raise um, $50 per family. That helps them. Sure, they still work and they do other things. It just helps them to be able to not be so worried about the needs of their family and they can be more focused on the work and the ministry there. So These are some families, not all of them, but some of those faces and families are folks that our mission is blessed to be a part of and supporting. There's a family that needs um, support, so talk to the pastor, talk to me about that one if you want. Wonderful church, humble setting in the eastern part of the country, but not just about their church, satellite churches, planting churches in different places. The next one. Um, I want to tell one deep dive story about a guy, Felix, and and his wife, Lily. They were part of our training and. Um, because of that, it added not only their burden and passion for the folks of the church, but the people of their community. The next photo, there's a guy in the black shirt uh, up there sitting in the corner. His name is Felix. Felix had the best life of most of the Cubans there, right? He was a baseball player, a professional baseball player at um, country level. And he made a decision, I'm going to try and hit the big leagues of America, He had everything in place, and when he was trying to leave, he got caught. In getting caught, he basically was not allowed to... He was now watched, and he was no longer about to play baseball at professional um, level as he was in Cuba. His life was a mess. That was his life. Growing from a youth upwards, I'm baseball, right? Well, it was taken away from him. In his distress, in his situation, he ends up meeting up with Felix, and Felix ends up leading him to the Lord. Now this guy is passionate about the Lord, not baseball. Now this guy and his wife are saved and serving in a church. And now they decide, God says, we're going to raise up a baseball ministry. We're going to call it Emmanuel, God with us. And they ended up working and playing amongst the local leagues there, now as a Christian testimony and witness. One to the people on the same team. It wasn't going to be a just Christian team. It was going to be a Christian and non-Christian team. In that photo, you see them just one-on-one with other people praying for and um, witnessing to the people of their team. They end up going to different towns and playing other people, and they always make it a point to stop and share the gospel, their hope that they have in Christ with other people. Another thing which was amazing, this team, out of all teams, was called to play the under-15 national team of Cuba. They were known to be a Christian team, but they were known to be a Christian team of, I mean, a team of character, And they wanted their young professional players to have character and not just skill. So they got to play them. The next one. But you know what? When you have an outside focus of those that you walk by every day and you see people, you don't just walk by people, then you end up starting to have other ministries that God pops up to. In this particular case, um, Felix ended up having a few of these young boys start to really come to him and build a relationship with him. He started to have them in their home with his family Next thing you know, these boys are connected to other boys who are not involved with the church too. So they ended up starting a, a baseball team for the younger guys. Well, of course, it's not just about baseball, is it? It's about truth. It's about family. It's about also encouraging them to be a part of a church. In the next photo you say, these guys that once were unreached are now reached and coming along. In fact, our last training we had there, we had several of these boys serving other youth pastors and leaders. Um, that was a blessing to see them. The next one. And this is something actually going on this coming weekend, all right? We were there a few months ago. They started the new training cycle, our same material. Now they've Cubanized it, which is the perfect thing. They've made it ours, right? And, um, And this coming weekend, they're entering into their second cycle. And so not only has this impacted a man and his family, it's impacted his church, it's impacted his community at different levels with adults, through kids. Now they're taking what is not only truth, but what is life and what is lesson? And now they're passing it on to other um, youth leaders and pastors in their own town as well who also want to be helped. And how do we get outside our four walls? How do we care? How do we connect? How do we make an impact better on our communities? There they are again in that situation. Maybe the next one. I want to give one um, other thing too, okay? We talked a little bit out more about the churches and about the work with the Least, the Last, the Lost in Society. But um, God's raised up another real beautiful ministry there that Kathy, my wife, and I have been blessed to be a part of. Um, I'm more the burro. The, I'm the donkey. I'm the, you know, the, the force. Um, but Kathy and another lady by the name of Jennifer from Florida help lead these um, women's conferences. And it's just a really huge, huge blessing going on um, throughout the country right now. Um, these women are, are coming, and these women are getting to have focused time uh, in the word, as the next photo will show you. Um, and it's just really powerful, right? They're talking about things and being vulnerable, being open, and dealing with stuff that has just kind of kept them back or kept them imprisoned or kept them down for years and years and years. And God's been doing some amazing things to really bless these women, to free these women, and to really strengthen these women to make a difference in, again in their marriages, in their homes, and their communities, and their church. There's one there. Um, It's something to see that in a photo. It's another thing to be there to experience that. Um, It's just a real powerful thing that God's doing and really blessed that we get to be a part of churches and ministries in a a variety of different ways. So we're going to end it there, but I want to end it there on this challenge. Please, yeah, we ask that you um, maybe grab a a prayer card of ours, maybe find out a little bit more. Pastor Nick's gone on to our website and blog to find out who we were. Uh, Make make sure we weren't too weird coming into your church. Um, Apparently he says it's Okay. So there you go. But um, pray for us as we continue to go into different countries. We just came from the Bahamas. We were there for a month. The month before that, we were in Cuba um, for virtually the whole month. So pray for us as we go in and out of places, particularly in Cuba, that the Lord will continue to give us wisdom as we work alongside, not for, not over, but alongside friendship, respect, trust with the Cuban leadership there. Lord, give us wisdom in the way we teach, um, but also in the way we stand alongside these leaders in their homes, and their families, and their ministries. Will you pray for that? Um, pray for the Cuban leaders there as they continue to um, deal with the struggles of daily life, but then also lead other Cubans and to help their churches to be strong and help their churches to make an impact in their communities. And of course, these folks are all about passing on what they have, right? Multiplying it, giving it to other people so that they can be challenged and encouraged and equipped as well. Pray for those pastors and those financial needs. Please do. We're a mission and a, and a, a what do you call it? Uh, a, a way. I guess that's not the word I'm looking for. But we're a way that helps to be able to support um, these folks on, an, on a monthly basis. Um, pray for yourselves. <laughs> pray for yourselves. In some way this morning, I hope you remember and understand that God is always speaking and God is always calling and God is always using us. He wants to use us in more and more ways, as His hands and feet, as His his heart, um, to be able to get that good news out to people. And it's not just something verbal, right? It's something tangible. It's in every part of our lives. So listen to the Lord and how He might use you in that way. And I might challenge you by this, too, as I'm always challenged when I go to Cuba. Don't just receive things. When you receive something, there's a responsibility. Look for ways that you can multiply that, you can share that. There are other people. They may be this high and 12 years old like I was once that came into a church. Well, they may be older than that, right? But there's other people who don't have and don't hear what you hear. Please pass it on. And I'll leave you with this one thing. Not for you, not for them, not for me, but us all together as children of God. Remember it's not about serving necessarily a Christ, but it's letting Christ live and work in and through us, yeah? It's about that. And in that, I might ask, is the model of his life modeled in your life? Is it about service? Is it about humility? Is it about love? What about the method of his teaching? Does he, is he working in and through you to be able to go to where the people are? Is he working in and through you, not necessarily to give a one, two, three-step answer to people's problems, but just to care, and care enough to listen and ask questions, to earn the right to be heard, and then to speak understanding the context of a person's life and to help bring life into them through the truth. And what about the message? What is the message that comes across from your lips and from my lips or for whatever we even paste on Facebook or whatever else? Is it about forgiveness? Is it about hope? Is it about change? Is it about transformation and redemption? Or is it another harder message? Our God, our Christ, gave his life for this world. Of every tongue, of every nation, of every language, there will be more than thousands and thousands that stand before him. There will be millions and millions, some from the Old Testament, some from the New Testament, some ahead of our time, people, until Christ comes back. There will be from every tribe, tongue, and nation. We'll be blessed, hopefully, to be a part of that thing. But we have a responsibility because we have an amazing grace. We have amazing gospel that we get to share. Share it here, share it out there and be involved with what God's doing in different parts of the world. Let's have a word of prayer. I want to ask pastor to come forward and close us in prayer. Thank you for your time.
1: Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website
0: www.bearcreekbaptist.org If you're not a member of another church we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless
1: you.